Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Hope you enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Guarantee Home Mortgage, a true partner that every broker should have in their tool belt. With knowledgeable, responsive AEs who can create real value for your company to an operations team focused on delivering your purchase loan documents ahead of the closing date and so much more. Guarantee Home Mortgage looks forward to establishing a long-term partnership and showing brokers how they are opening doors to home ownership. Get connected today by logging into the AIM member portal at brokersarebetter.com. All right, everybody. We are here for a very special edition of Broker to Broker. Uh, My name is Katie Sweeney. I'm the CEO at AIM. It is my first time on the show as a host or a guest. Um, And we are doing this because we have a very special guest with us today, Dale Vermillion, the CEO over at Mortgage Champions. Dale, thank you so much for joining us. Katie, it is it is a great honor to be here, especially knowing this is your first time too. Very, very fun. Right. I wore my Be a Humble Hero t-shirt. I was gonna, I don't have a Be a Katie Sweeney t-shirt, so I went with <laughs> Be a Humble Hero. I love it. I absolutely love it. Dale and I had a chance to do your podcast a couple of months ago, and when we were on there, Everybody from our audience loved it so much. We decided we'll do a special edition of Broker to Broker and bring you over um, and get you introduced to more people on our side because you've got hours and hours and hours worth of advice and knowledge and things to share. So we are excited to get started with you today. Um, Just to kick it off for those that aren't familiar with you or haven't had a chance to see you speak before, how did you get started in the mortgage industry? You know, I blew, grew up in a blue-collar family in the Chicagoland area, and everybody in my in my family was a construction worker. And, and I did that for three years coming out of high school and decided that's not what I wanted to do for a living. So I literally got a job selling pots and pans door-to-door, was the first sales job I could get, and said, I want to get in the business world, want to be in leadership, and got an interview with a mortgage company. Uh, actually paid to get the interview and got the interview, got the job. 39 years later, here I am, had a chance to, you know, run branches, run districts, run regions, run a national mortgage company and 27 years as a speaker. So it's, okay. it's been a wild ride and it's been a great industry. So coming from obviously a very different world, how did that influence or inform the decisions that you were making when you were getting started in mortgage? You've obviously built an incredibly successful career in this industry, but I imagine there were probably some lessons learned from your early days that influenced the way that you approached getting started on the mortgage side? You know, it's interesting because I think what really influenced this more than anything in this industry is I was an athlete my whole life. And Mm -hmm. that competitive nature fits very nicely, as we well know, into the mortgage arena. Um, And when I started in sales, just even selling pots and pans, that competitive nature really made the difference. And, And my desire was to lead people. It was to eventually get in a position we capitalize. And this industry offers us a chance to do anything we want to do. There's Definitely. no limitations. That's what I loved about it. Yeah, we were, I was just having a conversation with somebody earlier today on some of the initiatives that AIM is working on, but that tends to be the consistent theme of all industry opportunities that are out there. Of everything that you could choose to do, mortgage is really unique in the fact that it's tough and it's cyclical, but it can also yeah. catapult your career probably more than any other industry can particularly if you did not grow up around mortgage or you didn't go to school to learn about the financial services or the business world, you can still be really successful in this space if you're willing to put in the work. 
There is no question. I mean, my, my last corporate job, I ran a national mortgage company with 2,300 employees and I have no college degree. You can't get that anywhere else other than right. the mortgage industry. And the beauty of this industry is our product's money. It ain't never going out of style. So exactly. we are in the right industry for sure. That's exactly right. At the end of the day, housing might change, but people always need a place to live and a place to call yep. home. And they're always going to need money to do it. So we've got a lot of longevity built into this uh, this industry, particularly if you're willing to evolve with market cycles as they develop. Um, yep. That is something you and I have chatted about. So when it comes to um, leadership and your mindset is something that a lot of people are talking about today. We're in a tough cycle. We're in a very challenging market, particularly for folks who joined the industry in the last couple of years when things were going so well for so many people. How would you describe your approach to leadership and how does that evolve through different market shifts over time? Yeah. You know, today's leadership is is more important than it's ever been in the 40 years I've been in the business because we're in a tougher market where you really need to establish within your leadership mindset a very collaborative type of team environment. Um, that is built on a uniform best practices methodology. That, that kind of encapsulates how I think about leadership. Now, let me define that for just a minute. Yep. What that simply means is, is that, you know, the mistake that we've been making in the industry is, especially because of COVID and everything's happened, we've had a lot of isolation where we're not connected with our teammates, we're not connected with our leaders, and we're not even connected with our referral partners and our customers. That has to change. And we've got to get back in a collaboration mindset where we're getting, gleaning energy off each other, motivation, and most importantly, really skill-based practices. The one thing that I've always been a big believer in is you take your very best loan officers, you combine them with the ones who are learning the business, and you make sure that you identify the best practice in everything that everybody does, and you create a system out of that where you've got a uniform sales approach, a uniform mindset, everybody has a positive attitude about it, and from a leadership standpoint, you lead by example through that attitude. Those things really build a great team. It sounds like there are a lot of notes to servant leadership in your style. Would you agree yep. that that's typically, can you explain a little bit? I know I'm familiar with that, that style of leadership. That's what I've kind of studied and I try to emulate, but I think it's a new term for a lot of people in our space that haven't had as much exposure to more formal corporate business training. So what is a servant leader to you and why do you think it's important to do exactly what you just said, to lead by example? Well, one of the things that I teach leaders all the time is I remind them of the massive impact they have on their employees, that we really do have a major play in how well they do as leaders. So mm -hmm. for that reason, one of the things you got to remember is that as leaders, we can actually develop the self-esteem of our employees. We do that through encouragement. We do that through coaching. We do that through mentoring. We do that through all of those different avenues to make sure that they become the best employees they can possibly become. And the key when you're when you're working with your teams is to make sure that the collaboration that you create between your synergistic employees is bringing them together to have a uniform mindset that everybody's working from the same kind of booklet. Now, I've always had a quote that I use that, that talks about servant leadership that says, there's an old saying that says, do as I say, not as I do. And a lot of managers are what I call sit on your butt and bark managers. You know, they'll, they'll <laughs> sit on their butt and bark out orders. That's wrong. Servant leadership is do as I do, not as I say. It's the opposite mindset. So as a servant leader, we are leading by showing people how to do it. We're involved with our teams. But here's the most important thing. 
you got to let your employees know that you're in it for them. You, yeah. You're serving them. You're helping them. You're coaching them. And you build loyalty that they will run through a brick wall for you when you do that. My, um, I, so Jen Leonard on our team is our head of marketing and she and I have been awesome. joking. For, uh, she's incredible. Um, Amazing. and I, yeah, I've been telling her for probably two years now since stepping into this role that I have to find the right way to articulate this, but I, I have a goal of one day giving a Ted talk and the topic of that Ted talk is, are you a coach or are you trying to be the captain? Because you can't be both. And it's very similar to what you just described your role as a leader is to help guide and give advice and provide oversight and to make sure things go don't go too far down one path or another but you can't literally go play the game for your team you have to empower them to play the game on the floor while you're giving yeah. perspective from the sideline and if your role is to be the captain that's okay but you're probably not quite ready to lead a full team yet those are two different roles you can't be both of those as an athlete you really can't operate in both capacities. It's incredibly challenging right. to be both a captain and a coach at the same time. So I, I love what you're talking about and being able to say, it's our job to not only empower them and to help them develop skills, but to also give them the confidence to go forth and do. And when things don't go well, we're here for that. And when they do, we're here to celebrate the wins. But the best teams and the teams that grow the fastest and cultivate um, this environment of synergy and this culture that everybody else wants to emulate typically come from leaders that are willing to let people let people learn, but not encourage people to fail. Right? There's those are not the same thing. Right. That's right. And you know, I, I talk to leaders about this all the time. The, the, there, there's two kinds of leaders. There's doers and delegators. Doers mm -hmm. don't do well, to your point exactly, because they're trying to fix everything around them. And what I teach leaders is, the, the, if I were to put one word to tell you what makes a great leader, it's the word replication. If you get moved into a leadership position, that means you did well in the previous job. So, for example, I was the number one loan officer in my region. That's why I got the was the youngest branch manager in company history in the first company I worked in. And what I realized was my job was to replicate myself through my people, to hire people like me that had the work ethic I had, and then teach them what I did, and then make them really successful. And here's the key. When you delegate, you empower people. When you don't delegate, you enable people not to do their job. So if you just go in and fix it for them, they're never going to learn how to do it and grow. You want your people to grow. That's what great leaders do. Exactly. What would you say? So a lot of brokerages out there tend to be much smaller businesses, right? They're very small, very locally owned. So we have a lot of members that are one to three person teams, maybe yep. five, six or seven. But the majority of our audience tends to be less than 10 people. If yep. you are a small business and you're in a position, because we hear this all the time, I, yes, I'm the CEO or I'm the broker owner, but I also have to be the number one originator and I have to make sure everything else stays on track because it's my business and I have to make sure it continues to move forward. How do you start that replication process? How do you get started in being able to delegate when you are operating with a much smaller group of people that have to be able to tackle multiple roles in each one of those team members? Well, one of the keys to success for a great brokerage team is that you've got to first, as the leader, identify what is your true strengths and what is your true weaknesses. So, for example, okay, think about the, the basic sales structure of hunting and farming, okay? There's two sides to every transaction. There's a hunting side of developing the referral partners and the leads and the opportunities. There's the farming side of dealing with the consumers. 
I, I work with companies all the time where I'll sit down and I'll look at a, at a leader and go, you're a great hunter. Your referral network is unbelievable. But you know what? The reason you're failing is you don't know how to farm. Yeah. So why are you trying to? Why don't you spend your time in hunting? Bring in an LOA or two that you can bring in that is great with people, has great relationship skills. They can work through an application and start to expand your way out yourself out that way. Don't hire another loan officer yet. Just bring yeah. in a loan officer assistant to work underneath you. And now you build a great team where you're getting all of the business in the door and they're converting it into the opportunities. That's how you start to grow your business out. And then you start to replicate people like yourself to come in to be the loan officers that you can put these support people underneath. And those support people, they don't want to be loan officers. They want to be in that secondary role. If you find those kind of people, you can be very successful very fast. It really does start with identifying your own skill set first. I think a it lot does. of times for small business owners, it's you're looking around at your team saying, I need this, I need this, I need this. These are the people that need to come in. But if you haven't identified what your own skills are, not just what you like to do, but also what you're good at and what you're good at doing over and over again, um, yep. it's really hard to figure out how to expand a team or how to build it out if you haven't had that opportunity for self-reflection and also acknowledge it's okay to not be good at everything. Your job That's as right. the CEO or the owner or the branch manager or the top producer is not to be good at everything. Your job is to be good at very specific things and then to build a team around you that helps to supplement your own skill set. You know, I, I say this to people a lot. Not being good at something just makes you one thing. It makes you human. <laughs> because all of us, all of us have our weaknesses. You know, we need to know our strengths and we need to work in those and find people to put around us to complement our weaknesses with their strengths. When you do that, you become incredibly successful. It's really not a hard formula. Exactly. I we talked about this a little bit at Fuse this year, but giving a little more insight into why the leadership structure at AIM changed this year. Because I've, I've been in this position for about two years. The beginning of this year, we decided to change our leadership structure. And it was exactly that. It was looking in a mirror and saying, okay, there are certain things that I have never done. There are certain things that I am not great at or I don't enjoy spending my time doing. And there are other things that I know that I can replicate over and over and over again at scale to the masses that will wind up helping a large audience. I'm going to spend my time doing that and we're going to go find people and hire them and bring them in that can tackle the other skills or provide experience that I don't have because I haven't been in those roles in the industry before. And it creates this cohesion that allows you to, we call it going further faster. You can go a lot further and you can get a lot more done at a much faster pace if you're willing to acknowledge the areas that you don't have experience or you don't have a skill set and allow others the opportunity to step in and to provide that guidance and to provide their skills and bring them to the team and, and join the group. And you can, you just wind up getting a lot more done instead of being yep. focused on me, my ego, what am I doing? How am I leading? It's how are we building our team and how are we moving forward as a cohesive unit? Because everyone has just like sports, everybody's got a place. You can't have a quarterback without linemen. You can't have a receiver right. without a quarterback. Like nothing right. gets done on a football field if every single person on the team isn't there and present. And you've got to think about your business in the same, in the same capacity, the same structure. There's so much wisdom in what you said there. And, and that's so absolutely true. And I use this analogy a lot that, that, that is a correlation to this industry that people can understand. I just go, think about an appraisal for a minute. All right. If I were to ask you the question, what's the most important box on the appraisal? You know what the answer is going to be 99% of the time? The value. 
It's not the most important box. You know what the most important box is? The one that's checked off for highest and best use. That's the one that matters. You can have a million dollar home sitting in the middle of two commercial buildings on each side and it's worth nothing. It has no value because it's not being used for its highest and best use. Yeah. You want your employees and as a leader, you want to be used for your highest and best use. So identify what you're great at, work in that, and then get those people around you like we talked about that can help support you and you've got the formula for success nailed. Exactly. Speaking of things that you are great at, mindset and coaching and helping people really get into the positive nature of pushing forward, not focusing on yeah. the things that have shifted in a negative manner, but focusing on the opportunity that still exists. It's something that you've built your reputation around. It's something you're incredibly well known for in our industry. It's, it is how you and I first got connected. And when I was listening to you speak um, a handful of years ago, when I was getting started in the mortgage industry, can you talk a little bit for our members, for brokers, why should brokers be grateful even in a tougher cycle like we're seeing right now? Yeah, great question. Well, let, let, let me answer that in a couple of different ways. First and foremost, let me say this, okay? There is plenty of bad news out there today, and, and you have got to flip that script. I, I am seeing way too many loan officers that are having a pity party every day. Yep. That's never going to get you where you want to be, Okay. There is a whole lot of good news in the marketplace right now. You know, we can talk all day long about rising rates and those kind of things. But at the end of the day, the average rate for the last 50 years is 7.76%. We're well below that. So we're doing okay. And people bought a lot of houses for a lot of years when rates were much higher. In addition to that, we're seeing a purchase market. We're still looking this year at one of the top five years in production in MBA's history. Yet everybody's talking like the sky's falling in and the world's ending. It's not. What we've got to do is find the positive aspects of the market. And, you know, inventory has improved this year. We're seeing less buyers, which means actually people can get in contracts better. So that's great news. Yeah. You can still refinance people and pay off their debt and leverage that debt and save them a bunch of money, even at these high rates. There's all kinds of great things out there. And, and what we have to do is we have to start every day by finding the positive things to talk about. If you want to really stand out with your referral partners, here's what I want you to do. Don't go to their office and have the misery loves company approach. <laughs> go to their office and say, wait a minute, I'm people are going to buy homes no matter what rates are because rents are higher than they've ever been. Homeownership tax advantages are huge. Mm -hmm. You can buy a home today with the listing prices dropping that offsets the increase in the rates where actually you're getting a better deal sometimes today than you would have got six months ago when the rates are lower. And you know what? We got a lot of millennials and a lot of Gen Z that want to own homes that are looking yeah. for them. We've got a lot of good things to talk about. You've got to have the mindset. And, and you said it so well, Katie. Today, everybody talks about the market is the challenge. No, it's not. Here's the challenge, mindset and methodology. That's the challenge. If you don't have a positive outlook on the industry, why would your partners and why would your customers? You got to look them dead in the eye and go, I am saving people money every day today. I am putting them in houses every day they can afford. This is a great market. And I use this example. I ask people all the time, think back to 2008, 9, and 10. Three of the worst years cited in the industry. How many of us wishes we would have bought more real estate in those three years? I know I do. I'd be retired right now because that was an opportunistic market. And today is an opportunistic market too. So we have, there's, I think I saw the number that said somewhere between 60 and 70,000 loan officers that got their license in the last 
30 months, the last two and a half years, essentially. Yep. It's a lot of people coming into the industry that have never experienced the cyclicality of mortgage. And we've got some people that have been around a little longer. You know to plan for it. You know how to prep for it. You get your business ready for it. But there are a lot of new people that have never seen or experienced this. How can they get started or how do they push through? Positive mindset is one thing. You also talked about methodology briefly there. On the methodology side, for somebody that is new, that doesn't have a book to pull off of, that hasn't really focused on a purchase market previously because refis were falling out of the sky the last few years and they were getting into the industry, what should they be doing to push forward right now? So I'll give you a quick story. I've got a, a lady that I trained for a client of mine that is 11 months in the business, no prior experience, uh, came in knowing nothing about this industry. She's gone through the training that I've done with her for the last 11 months. She uh, did $4.6 million last month in production. And she is. She said she's not happy till she gets a 10 and she plans to get there in the next couple of months. Now, how did she do that so quickly? Here's how she did it. She said, I listened and did what you told me to do. I went to op six open houses every Saturday and, and I met six realtors. I got six cards. I built six relationships and I followed up. I went to local banks and I sat down with local bankers who do not do mortgages and need a mortgage producer. And I'm their mortgage producer. And within a matter of four months, she was already doing two and a half million dollars a month in this market we're in today. And here's the biggest thing. She didn't worry about rates. She focused mm -hmm. on relationship. That's the key. So if you're new to this business today, here's what you got to do. Don't, don't get caught up in the mire of the muck of the problems of everybody else. What you want to do is understand that this is a business that always will do well because people will always buy homes and always refinance. So here's the key. Get a vast referral network. That's the most important thing. And I say this to people today. The realtors today, which is most of what we work with, their yeah. business is down by half or more. Okay, so you got to think about that. If that's the case, we need two to four times more referral sources today than we had last year to get the same numbers. So instead of being upset or thinking about or worrying about the market, get your shoes on, get out in the marketplace, because here's my belief. You got to be in the market to win the market. And that's the key. Just get out and build relationships. Do the things that nobody else is doing because a lot of people are still sitting in their living rooms trying to call people or text people or email them. No, have a personal relationship with them. Get in front of them. You're going to build a lot of business in this marketplace. And one more thing, Katie, think about this. A lot of the realtor shops that started mortgage operations, they're going down. They don't yeah. know how to run a mortgage company in a tough market. You could become their single source to bail them out today. There's just so much opportunity out there. It's true. It's that the opportunity in the change that a lot of people look at as struggle or challenge. But in reality, this is where people are going to win. This is the market where people are going to grow. And to your point, Dale, there are a lot of people who got into the industry in the last couple of years that focused on building a business around refinances. Those are fewer and far to come by right now. Yep. If you're the expert and you're the person who has the experience and can understand how to deal with the complexities that go along with a purchase centric market, 
People need you. Your realtors are out there that need you. There are exactly what you said, mortgage operations teams that are shutting down inside of real estate brokerages because they don't understand what goes into the lending side of a purchase agreement. They've been sitting there handling all kinds of things in the last couple of years when it was a lot easier to close loans. And it's not anymore. So if you're the expert and you're the one who's gone through the training, you've put in the effort to educate yourself, you just got to tell people. They have to know that you're there. They have to know that you exist. And that's not just posting on Facebook, though that's a good start, like being active on social media and making sure people know you're you're available and around. But pound the pavement. Get out there. I mean, I stood up on stage at Fuse this year and said, I will travel 300 days this year. Do I want to travel 300 days a year? No, certainly not. But all of the relationships that we're building right now are the things that are necessary for our business over the next couple of years, the next 5, 10, 15 years for AIM to have a reputation that people know they can turn to. And it's no different for a loan originator. Well, and Katie, I'm just going to say it publicly. You're doing an incredible job. You, oh, you, you are, you stand for integrity. I'm so appreciative of the partnership and the friendship that we have. And I think what you're doing is making a big difference. And you're right. You got to be there. Like that's the key to all of this is you got to be present. You know, we, we are, we're living in a society where, where people are just become very withdrawn. Yeah. And when the economy gets worse in our business, I see people really pull into their shell in this time. This is the time you got to break out of that. You got to get out there. You got to lean in and you got to be out there and, and, and you got to just be meeting every single person you can. Cause there is business around every corner and don't, don't just focus on the realtors and the builders, financial planners, wealth managers, yep. insurance agents, CPAs, divorce attorneys. They're settling disputes on properties constantly. These are yep. all incredible resources for you to get access to, to build business and just talk to everybody you know. The world is your potential customer. I, I, I've always liked to say that when I was a loan officer and a manager, I'd walk around with an application in one hand and a employment application. On the other hand, I was either going to sell you a loan or I was going to hire as an employee. One of the two. <laughs> That's what I was going to do. And I would tell everybody, I'm in the mortgage business. Would you, would you like to save money? Do you know how to do that? And let me say one more thing because we talk about the refinance market today like there isn't one. There is one. There is. But there's yeah. only there's only one kind. It's a cash out debt elimination marketplace. You've got to pull debt into your refinances because remember. Every $10,000 in consumer debt is almost $300 in monthly payments to your consumer. You put that in a mortgage, that's a $50 payment. You just created $250 in savings just like that for a borrower. Okay, maybe their rate went up, but their payments went way down. You give them yep. some cash while you do it because they got a ton of equity. You've actually done something great for a borrower. And then now when rates drop next year, guess what? You bring them back in and help them again. It's a win-win it's a for everybody. Exactly. And so much of that and being able to identify those options that exist for borrowers and getting a little bit more creative comes down to training and education and investing in yourself. And it's been tough the last few years when things have been so busy and so hectic to really invest the time into sharpening your skills and making sure being a guideline guru and understanding all of the different product options that are out there, how you can understand somebody's individual circumstance and get them the best opportunity or the best product that's available. You talk a lot about training, obviously mortgage champions is very well known for what you guys do and how you help prepare people for a career in this industry. Why is it from your perspective, so important to invest in training for yourself, but also for your team? Well, look, we all have a limited scope of our knowledge. It's based on what we, who we learn from, what we learned, and how we've done things. 
Okay. You can never get better if you don't have coaches. You can never get better if you don't have other ideas and other mindsets from other people. I mean, the, the beauty of the company that we built is, you know, I've been a trainer and speaker for 27 years. I've trained over a million loan officers in my career. All okay. I'm teaching people is the best practices of the people that do 100, 110, $130 million a year in production. And I've trained tens of thousands of those. So, you know, there's two ways to look at life. I can try to figure this life out on my own and it's going to be painful. Or I can tap people on the shoulder who've done what I'm about to do and say, okay, you've been successful. What do you do? And then just follow their lead. That's what good training does. And if you look at today's market, Katie, and this is such an important thing I want to share with you, with your, your, your brokers is we are in a market today that is 180 degrees different from 2021 and 2020. Those were volume markets. And in volume markets, you you take an order-taking mindset because rates were so low, you just want to get as many leads, as apps as you can, because you were closing them left and right. Everybody liked the sound of two and a quarter. This is a conversion market. It's the opposite of that. In this market, you got to make every single referral and lead count. So you got to slow yourself down, Dig in better, build better relationship, and you got to be very well trained. You got to know how to sell effectively in this marketplace. You can't use your 2020, 2021 approach and expect those results in 2022. It's not going to happen. You got to change. Exactly. And also, be willing to acknowledge and own up when you don't know, right? We've seen a lot of people right. that get put into situations where it is something that uh, they've either never seen it before. It's a really complicated scenario, something that you don't come across every single day. It's okay to say, I'm not sure, but I'm going to go find out and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Don't try to skate your way through and present yourself as an expert. If you're not an expert in a specific subject, go invest the time into learning it when you have the opportunity, but make sure that you're putting the consumer first in every single one of those conversations. People trust those that are honest. And if you say, yeah. hey, I've actually not come across a scenario like this. I don't want to give you bad advice. So I'm going to go double check and make sure that I have everything, all of my ducks in a row, that I understand the guidelines appropriately or whatever overlays we're going to have to deal with with whatever lender we take this loan to. I will get back to you as soon as possible. That goes a long way. So you talk about integrity and education. It's where those two things marry in the middle. And it's really, really important. That, that is so correct. It, it, quick, funny story. When I used to manage loan officers, I managed for 12 years. And I, I probably had 10,000 loan officers work for me over that period of time. I never hired a person with mortgage industry experience one time. It was always people off the street. And here's what I would do the first day. I'd say, okay, today we're going to teach you where your desk is at. We're going to show you how to fill out an application. You're going to fill it out in yourself. So you know what that is. Tomorrow you're going to sell a deal. And their eyes would get like saucers, like Wait, I, but I don't know anything. Don't worry, you'll be fine. Now, part of that was a test to see if they'd come back. Some of them did. But the ones who did the next morning, I sat down and said, okay, here we go. I got some good news. I'm going to be you and you're going to be me. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm going to show you how to sell a deal when you don't know a darn thing about a mortgage. And I would get on the phone with the customer and say, now, look, here's the deal. This is my second day on the job. I don't know much. There's probably questions you're going to ask me that I won't know the answer, but I do know one thing. My boss said I can save you so much money on a mortgage, it's going to change your life. And I always got the application. And every time they ask me a question, I go, oh, that's a great question. I don't know, but my boss has got 25 years. I will get you the answer. And Katie, as God is my witness, I got through every application for 35 minutes, built a great relationship, and sold that borrower alone. You don't need to have the answers. You just got to get them for them 
better to be accurate and honest than to try to wing it because you're going to get caught. It's going to kill you. Exactly. So much of our philosophy with training and learning and development comes from not just teaching you what the answer is, but teaching you how to find the answer or how to solve the problem on your own when we're not around. That's great. And that's yep. the that's the goal, right? When you train your team, we call it a big metaphor fan over here on um, bumpers, right? If you're going bowling, my job is to be the bumper, right? Make sure you don't go nice. too far right or too far left and we get you down to the end. And it's going to be a different pace for every single person. But we're teaching you how to facilitate the action, not what the answer is in one specific scenario. And if you replicate that same idea with your team when you're training them, you're teaching them how to solve problems without you instead of just giving them an answer for that moment. And that's going to go a heck of a lot further. It is. And let me tell you, the most important thing managers need to be doing today, listening to the calls of their loan officers, recording those calls, sitting down with them, showing them where the call went well, where the call went wrong. So we can repeat the things that work and eliminate the things that don't and replace them with a better approach. That is so critical in today's marketplace. Exactly. All right. We don't have a ton of time left, but I would be remiss without talking about giving back. So one of the things that I connected with Dale on immediately when hearing him speak, oh my goodness, five years ago, six years ago, I can't believe it's been that long, um, is his philosophy around giving back and the importance of that and giving back to your community, giving back to your team members, all of the things that go into putting that idea and that concept at the forefront of all of the decisions that you make. Why is it so important to you, Dale, that people continue to focus on giving back and not just building something on their own? You know, the bottom line is because there's a lot of people who need help out there. You know, that's why I wore my Be a Humble Hero t-shirt. That's that's the tagline of our not-for-profit that we built back in 2007. And and not only that, but it gives you purpose. I, I mean, yeah. I will tell you, and you, you know the story, and, and we probably don't have time to share that, but, you know, I my life changed in 2002 when I went to Central India and spent 12 days with 4,000 orphans in the middle of one of the most destitute places in the world. And when I came back, I was I had a renewed spirit. I had a renewed focus. I had a renewed purpose. I wasn't working to make money and own stuff anymore. I was working to help people in need. And, and we've been able to do that in spades. And I, I've seen that people who I've met who have a purpose beyond themselves are always way more successful. They just are. They're driven. They, they don't get disappointed. It, it's always better to give than to get. It's just the right mindset and it creates integrity. It it shows your customers what you're really all about. When you're giving to others, they know that means you're going to give to them and you're going to have that kind of mindset that you're looking out for their best interest. Can you tell us before we wrap, I, I would love for our audience to hear a little bit more about your nonprofit, what your goals are, what the mission is, how people can get involved. The name of the nonprofit is called Mortgage Professionals Providing Hope. Um, we started in 2007. Um, it, it, it is designed to help uh, a lot of children and a lot of single moms and, and people that are in need. Uh, we do housing and education predominantly. So, for example, we we are funding a school in Guatemala with kids who live in a garbage dump, literally live in a garbage dump. It is the number one school now in the city of Guatemala. Uh, we have built orphanages for kids that are starving to death around the world. We have housed hundreds of families here in the U.S. who are on the streets living in their cars. My wife used to drive Walmart parking lots at night to find single moms 
living in their car with their kids sleeping and we'd find them houses. So it's really just designed to help people who need the help, who are hurting, who've been through terrible circumstances. I could tell you stories that could curl your hair. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, but you know what? We give them a hope and we give them a chance and, and that's what the focus is. And so that's so important. And it, it speaks so much to the importance of community as well. It's providing hope and giving back to people who need a, a sense of community, who are looking for people or, or even just a person to kind of wrap their arms around them and make sure that they know that there are other things out there that we can help push them into a, a better situation or help guide them and give them opportunity that's going to let them change the course of their life and what they're doing. And community is so important for our group. I mean, you look at our, we've got a mortgage broker up in Idaho, Melissa Nelson's her name. She started the community kindness movement um, that just expanded oh. to Arizona, I think today for the first time that focuses on um, kids being bullied in school and suicide prevention. We've got um, Mike Cox, our vice president of education who owns Mortgage Nerds up in Wisconsin. They participate in every veteran organization fundraiser, every golf tournament, anything they can do to give back to the county veteran service officers, the C CBSOs um, that are up there trying to provide access and education to veterans that are living in the state of Wisconsin. There are so many examples of people amongst our own community at AIM and our members that are focusing on giving back there locally. Mary Mattingly is one of my favorite stories. She, she bought a former customer a wedding dress because a couple years after she closed on that house, she couldn't afford a wedding dress and wanted to get married. And Mary took her commission and went and bought a wedding dress for this oh, woman to make sure she that. had a special day. It's little love things that. like that, right? Dale, you've built this massive organization that's had so much impact and influence over the last 10 years, but it all starts with something really small in your backyard. And you can step outside today and make a difference in somebody's life and give back to your community, give back to your team members, give back to the rest of the mortgage community if that's where you're called, but give back to something. It does. It gives you a greater purpose. It lets you latch on to the positive aspects and components of our space and what we're able to do to help other people that are in much different situations than we are probably experiencing ourselves. Yeah. You know, a little bit of something is a whole lot better than a whole lot of talking about nothing. I love these stories of the people doing those things. God bless them for doing that. You know, you know that our, our whole mortgage champions built around what we call our others first mindset. It's based on yeah. my life first out of Philippians two, three, and four says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in all things with humility, value others above yourself, looking out for their interests, not your own. Look, we got to remind ourselves we're in the top one tenth of 1% of income earnings in the world, in the yep. mortgage industry. Okay. We've got plenty to give back and there's plenty of people who will never have the opportunities we have. That's, that's another reason I love this industry so much is we have a chance at unlimited income. It's all in our hands. And you know what, if we give it back to others, you're going to be blessed by that. And they're going to be blessed by that. And it's going to work out well for everybody. Exactly. I will, I'm going to challenge every single person that's listening to this today, go do something good. Just go do something yes. good for one person. That's where it starts. Yep. Do something good. Do something good for somebody else tomorrow. Create a habit out of it. And it starts to become one of the things that you look forward to the most. And it also becomes part of the thing that draws potential customers, potential referral partners. They're going to be drawn to you because exactly what you said, Dale, they know that you'll take care of them the same way that you're taking care of others without expecting anything in return. And that goes 
so far. So, so far. It does. Well, Phil, thank you so much for joining us. It's been absolutely amazing to have you on. Um, I think we just turned this into an annual thing. I'll come on your podcast once a year. You can come join me over here on Broker to Broker. Um, Dale will, will be at one of our events in the future. We were excited to have him at Fuse this year and had a little bit of a hiccup with some illnesses and travel things and all kinds of stuff. So if you were excited to see Dale at Fuse, do not worry. We will have him at a future event. We're very excited to get him on stage in the coming months. Uh, brokers, if you want to get caught up on all of our past podcasts, you can head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker. You can also find all these podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Basically, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Um, Leave us a review. Go rate it so that we can make sure that we keep bringing on amazing guests like Dale. It helps get our podcast out there. It helps get messages like Dale's out in front of other people. And we very much appreciate it. Uh, Dale, we're going to do this again soon. Appreciate you so much, Katie. You're awesome. Thank you very much. God bless you. Brokers, are you looking for the best resources to succeed? The AIM member portal is your one-stop destination for everything you need. Submit and track AIM escalations for high-level loan issues, join the referral list, change AEs, and obtain exclusive discounts. And you'll have access to over 50 AIM lenders and vendors. Don't wait. Sign up today at brokersarebetter.com.